0: So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you have come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back to the New Testament podcast. This will be for Luke chapter 16. First of all, it is the parable of the unjust steward, verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he wants to be hired by the people for whom he had uh, stewardship over. So he called every one of his lord's debtors, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. And the lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely or clever, for the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. Elder Talmadge said that the Lord used this parable to show the contrast between the care, thoughtfulness, and devotion of men engaged in the money-making affairs of earth and the half-hearted ways of many who are professedly striving after spiritual riches. The Lord was not suggesting that we should emulate the evil practices of the unjust steward, but that we should seek spiritual wealth with the same eagerness and effort that the servant displayed in seeking material wealth. Worldly-minded men do not do not neglect provision for their future years, and often are sinfully eager to amass plenty, while the children of light, or those who believe spiritual wealth to be above all earthly possessions, are less energetic, prudent, or wise. On first reading the parable, this is um, out of the Institute Manual. Oh, this is still Brother Talmage, though, in Jesus the Christ. Okay, on first reading the parable of the unjust steward, would seem to be an endorsement for malfeasance in office. Careful study will show, however, that it was given to teach the care with which the saints of God should approach the task of preparing for their eternal future. Knowing that he had but a short time left in his appointed post, the steward wisely tried to secure his future by winning some friends. It was not the steward's dishonesty that was extolled. His prudence and foresight were commended, however, the, the while, however, for a while he misapplied his master's substance— he gave relief to the debtors, and in so doing he did not exceed his legal powers, for he was still steward, though he was morally guilty of malfeasance. The lesson may be summed up in this wise. Make such use of your wealth as shall ensure you your friends hereafter. Be diligent, for the day in which you can use your wealthy or your earthly riches will soon pass. Take a lesson from even the dishonest and the evil, if they are so prudent as to provide for the only future they think of, how much more should you, who believe in an eternal future, provide there Verse 9, And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon. Now, that's an Aramaic word which means riches, of righteousness or unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Verse ten: He who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much; and he who is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. The principle of integrity: We, we, if we adopt habits that are unjust in business, we will be unjust to all. But as diligent in spiritual things, or be as diligent in spiritual things as the publicans were in monetary things. Eleven: If therefore ye have not been faithful. In the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? In other words, if men cannot be faithful in handling the unrighteous mammon, the things of the world, why should they think their heavenly Father will place in their hands the true riches of eternity? That was by Bruce R. McConkie, verse twelve. And if ye have, if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give unto you that which is your own? No servant. Can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they who justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. And they said unto him, We have the law and the prophets." But as for this man, we will not receive him to be our ruler, for he maketh himself to be a judge over us. Then said Jesus unto them, The law and the prophets testify of me, yea, and all the prophets who have written even unto John have foretold of these days. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man who seeketh truth presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than for one tittle of the law to fail. And why teach ye the law, and deny that which is written, and condemn him whom the Father hath sent, to fulfill the law, that ye might all be redeemed? O fools, for thou hast said, In your hearts there is no God, and you pervert the right way, and the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence of you, and you persecute the meek, and in your violence you seek to destroy the kingdom, and ye take the children of the kingdom by force. Woe unto you, ye adulterers! And they reviled him again, being angry, for the saying that... They were adulterers, but he continued saying, Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. Jesus is speaking here of a higher standard, which we are not presently required to live. Verse 19, Verily I say unto you, I will liken you unto the rich man, for there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple. Purple was a very rare and costly dye and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which, is, which means God is my help. This is the only parable given by Jesus where he named one of the characters, and there's a reason that he does that. Reasons for believing that the parable in the episode of Lazarus being raised from the dead are connected center on several factors. The similarity between the storyline and actual events, the unique usage of a named character in this parable which happens to be Lazarus. This is too close for coincidence. The unri- the righteousness of Lazarus in the parable compared to the implied righteousness of Lazarus in real life and the geographical location. This parable was given in Perea on the east side of the river Jordan, probably between 20 and 50 miles from Bethany in Judea where Lazarus lived. Where Jesus was when he first learned of Lazarus's illness, Jesus waited two days before returning to Judea to re- to perform the miracle. To b- of bringing his close friend back to mortality. It makes sense that Jesus would take time to teach his disciples about conditions in the spirit world because Lazarus had just gone there. It is also interesting to note that after Jesus raised Lazarus, the Pharisees, whom Jesus had rebuked before giving the parable, started then to plot Jesus's demise as well as Lazarus's murder. That was by Skinner and Ogden in verse by verse. Continuing, verse twenty, who had laid at his gate, full of sores, and and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried of the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments Justice actually becomes the friend of those who rely on the atonement. Now, the reason that uh, Abraham could not send Lazarus to the poor, to the rich man in spirit prison was because there was a gulf between the two, and so those in the spirit in spirit paradise could not go to those in spirit prison uh, because there was a barrier between the two. That was breached uh, when Jesus died and went into the went into the spirit world himself. Verse 26, And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they who would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that would come from thence. Such was the condition prior to Christ's visit to the spirit world between the time of his death and his resurrection. The Savior's visit to the spirit world bridged the gulf between paradise, Abraham's bosom, and hell, making it possible for the spirits in prison to receive the message of the gospel by authorized ministers. There was no intermingling by the spirits in paradise and hell until after Christ bridged the great gulf between those two spirit abodes. This he did while his body lay in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and his own disembodied spirit continued to minister to men in their spirit prison. That was by Bruce McConkie. At this time, as Joseph explained it, Hades or Sheol, paradise, spirits in prison, are all one. It is a world of spirits. Joseph also taught that the righteous and the wicked all go to the same world of spirits until the resurrection. He also said, however, that within that spirit world there are bounds, limits, and laws by which wicked spirits are governed or controlled. As Alma said, Now concerning the state of the soul between death and the resurrection, behold, it has been made known unto me by an angel that the spirits of all men, as soon as they are departed from the mortal body, yea, the spirits of all men, whether they be good or evil, are taken home to that God who gave them life. And then shall it come to pass that the spirits of those who are righteous are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise, a state of rest, a state of peace, where they shall rest from all their troubles and from all care and sorrow. And then shall it come to pass that the spirits of the wicked, yea, who are evil. For behold, they have no part nor portion of, of the spirit of the Lord. For behold, they chose evil works rather than good. Therefore, the spirit of the devil did enter into them and take possession of their house. And there shall be cast out and they shall and these shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And this because of their iniquity, being led captive by the will of the devil. Now this is the state of the souls of the wicked, yea, in darkness and a state of awful, fearful looking for the fiery indignation of the wrath of God upon them. Thus they remain in this state as well. As the righteous in paradise until the time of their resurrection. Verse 27 Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, for if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one should rise from the dead. Faith comes as a gift from God to those who hear Moses and the prophets and who have, all, who have enough real intent to honestly experiment with the principles of the gospel. Learning without humility or simply being shown all things, even someone returning from the dead, will not bring faith. And that was by Larry Dahl. This parable means that the Pharisees were being selfish and hypocritical even abusing spiritual opportunities to the de- de- detriment of those who would who, to those who looked to them for spiritual sustenance, and those who were concerned about the kingdom of God, Lazarus represents those in need of and desiring nourishment. He begged for it. Bruce McConkie said, Two great and eternal truths are here taught. One, Deity chooses and sends His own agents and witnesses to mortal men to cry repentance and preach the gospel of salvation." Unless men heed their message, they are damned. And two, those who refuse to hear the living oracles sent to them in their day, and to believe the recorded te- teachings of the ancient prophets would not be converted by a display of miracles that even included the raising of the dead. Lazarus rose from the dead at Jesus' command and mingled among men as a mortal being— Instead of being converted, many of the re- rebellious Jews sought to put him to death to prevent receptive persons from beginning or from believing in Jesus and his divine power. Our Lord himself rose from the dead, and glorious immortality appeared to many and sent witnesses into all the world to testify of his resurrection, and yet men did not believe. The conclusion of this, Elder Melvin J. Ballard said, I recognize with my brethren that the sorest trials that have ever come to the church in any age of the world are the trials of peace and prosperity. But we are to do a, a new thing, a thing that has never been done before. We are to take the Church of Christ not only through the age of persecution and mob violence, but through the age of peace and prosperity, for we must learn to endure faithfully even in peace and prosperity. Um, in section 138, it explains uh, this bridging of the gap between the spirit paradise and spirit prison. And beginning in verse 29, it says, And as I wondered, my eyes were opened, and my understanding quickened, and I perceived that the Lord went not in person among the wicked and the disobedient, who had rejected the truth to teach them. But behold, from among the righteous he organized his forces and appointed messengers, clothed with power and authority and commissioned them to go forth and carry the light of the gospel to them that were in darkness, even to all the spirits of men, and thus was the gospel preached to the dead. I beheld that the faithful elders of this dispensation, when they depart from mortal life, continue their labors in the preaching of the gospel of repentance and redemption, through the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God among those who are in darkness and under the bondage of sin in the great world of the spirits of the dead. The dead who repent will be redeemed, through obedience to the ordinances of the of the house of God, and after they have paid the penalty of their transgressions and are washed clean, shall receive a reward according to their works, for they are heirs of salvation. So that's the end of the chapter for today, and we will see you next time. Bye.